0: When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before god from the hand of the angel then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth and there were peals of thunder rumblings flashes of lightning and an earthquake now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth."
1: Thank you so much, John, for reciting that to us, and it's great to see you here. My name is Jeremy. Uh, I'm the minister here at Trinity Church, Islington. Can I welcome you? Whether you've been many times before, whether this is your first time and you're just trying us out, you are, you are incredibly welcome. I hope you've had the chance to try some of those incredible cakes at the back and you're already feeling completely at home. Now the time to open your Bible, and uh, we're looking uh, at Revelation. And it's on page 1,239, Revelation chapter 8. We're looking at this part of the Bible as part of a series that we've been going through, just like Madush said, uh, and we're calling it Do Not Be Afraid. Do not be afraid. God's word of comfort to the first century and the contemporary church as we seek to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how the book began. Do you remember this? Chapter 1, verse 8 Uh, It's uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. As we begin, then, we're going to pray for God's blessing. We're going to pray for God's blessing. Let's pray together. Father God, we know that the time is near, the time for Jesus Christ to return, and, and we know that these are your words that we're... Holding in our hands, and and so we want to hear you, and we want to take to heart what you're saying to us today, and we will need your help. Please help us to do that. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the other day I came across a, a public information leaflet. You'll see it up on the screen. Uh, it was uh, published during the Second World War. And it's called, If the Invader Comes, What to Do and How to Do It. It's all sort of uh, um, terribly sort of British. And, and this is how it begins. During the Second World War, the Germans threatened to invade Great Britain. And if they do so, they will be driven out by our Navy, our Army and our Air Force. Yet the ordinary men and women of the civilian population will also have their part to play. Hitler's invasions of Poland, Holland and Belgium were greatly helped by the fact that the civilian population was taken by surprise. They did not know what to do when the moment came. And then in italics it says, you must not be taken by surprise. That's a public information leaflet uh, distributed across the country. You must not be taken by surprise. Surprise. And it's worth remembering that as we come to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, as, as you know, is full of extreme images. It's full of frightening concepts. I used to read it when I was a teenager under my covers. It would scare me stupid. But we need to remember that it's written to real people in real churches, just like us. And they were not to be taken by Surprise. It's, it's, it's a book of warning. The, the seven churches that are named back in chapters 2 and 3, you remember Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira and, and, and the rest of them, ordinary churches. And we know the kind of things that they were up against from the letters that came in chapters 2 and 3. Two external enemies, uh, the Jews who turned against Christians and the Roman state putting on pressure, and then two internal enemies, the danger of compromise and the presence of false teaching. And, and this book is written to those seven churches, ordinary churches, full of real people and real issues, and it's written to tell them not to be taken by surprise. And that's the point of chapters 8 to 11. We're not going to be able to cover all of those chapters uh, this afternoon. We won't be able to cover all the, all the details. But it's saying, when the world's under judgment... Um, as it is and and the forces of Satan come don't be taken by surprise but keep witnessing to a dying world that's what chapters 8 to 11 are going to say to us let me say that again when the world is under judgment and the forces of Satan come don't be taken by surprise but keep witnessing to a dying world that's the message of chapters 8 to 11. Let's have a look at it together. And here's the first point. Six trumpets and two woes, creation is coming undone. Six trumpets and two woes, creation is coming undone. Now let me read from uh, chapter 8, verse 2 again. I'm not going to say it from memory. Um, chapter 8, verse 2, this is what it says. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire, from the altar and hurled it on the earth and there came peals of thunder, rumblings flashes of lightning and an earthquake creation is coming undone and, and, and you notice this firstly, creation is coming undone because of the prayers of God's people because God's people are praying like Christians do um, a sensor is like a fire bucket um, like this, this, is a, this used to be in my parents house a sort of container for fire and um, I don't know have have you ever felt like your prayers were just sort of bouncing off the ceiling have you ever felt that you're just praying and and they're not going anywhere just praying into a vacuum well according to Revelation it it, it could not be more different to that we saw back in in chapter 6 as well we just heard the uh, um, uh, we just heard about that last last week chapter 6, before the seven seals were opened. It's the prayers of the saints that sort of introduce that section as well as, as, as this one. It's the prayers of God's people that are driving history forwards. Can, can you see that? I want you to be convinced of that. In um, Revelation chapter 8, verse 4, have a look at that, page 1, 2, 3, 9. It's as the incense reaches heaven, in verse 4, that the trumpets are blown in judgment, verse 6. Can you see that? In, in other words, it, it's the prayers of God's faithful people that trigger the vision. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. They're crying out, How long? And, and as they do that, those prayers are driving forwards history. Um, you might have heard of the poet Tennyson. He once said this More things are brought about by prayer than this world dreams of. It's true. Um, John is writing to, to suffering Christians like the um, Ukrainian Christians we were praying for at our prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Persecuted Christians, Christians who, are, who have been killed for their faith and their prayers have reached heaven and they're crying out, please God, please have mercy on us. How long, O Lord, they cried out last week. And, and so the sort of fire bucket of their prayers becomes in, 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 in verse... Five, the sort of fire bucket of God's judgment. More things are brought about by prayer than this world dreams of. The prayers of God's people are driving forwards history. Don't think that they're immaterial or irrelevant. Creation is coming undone because of the prayers of God's people, but also because of God's right anger at the way that we've treated Him. That's what it says in, in Revelation. Um, last week we saw how they, the seven seals seemed to sort of cover the whole sweep of, of human history all the way through to, to, to the return of Jesus. And, and now we have these seven trumpets. I've, I've got a trumpet here. This is Liam's precious trumpet. I promise, to, uh, I promise to take care of it. Last week seven seals, this week seven trumpets. But once again, it's, it's covering the, the whole of human history, but from a different angle. Um, can you see that? It, it, it's as if this is an action replay. And next week will be the same, and next week will be the same. Perhaps you can see the structure of Revelation. I put it in a, in a diagram up on the screen. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven signs, and then the seven bowls. Different angles on, 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 on the, the unfolding of Of human history. Um, Just like, dare I say it, um, the different camera angles on Rodri's goal for Man City last night to win the Champions League. Let's move on from that. Last week, the camera angle was all about security. Okay, Uh, in in a world full of, of persecution, God's people are secure. And then this week, the camera angle is all about mission. It's all about witness. In a world full of judgment, God's people are, 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 are to carry on witnessing to holding out the, the good news of Jesus to a dying world. And, and you can see, as each trumpet is blown, we see a bit more of the unfolding horror of a world judged by God. It's terrifying pictures. Uh, have a look at verses 7 to 9. Chapter 8, verses 7 to 9, the first angel sounded his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea a third of the sea turned into blood a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed it's as if if the plagues of Egypt if you've ever read about those in the book of Exodus horrific plagues on Pharaoh and the people of Egypt, it's as if Those plagues have now come against the whole world. Um, It's limited, you notice? Verses 7, 8, and 9, um, a third of the earth. This isn't final judgment. Uh, This isn't the end of time. It's just warning signs. Um, In in many ways, it's it's not different from what the rest of the Bible has already said. if If you know Genesis 3, the ground is cursed. It's a difficult world to live in. Perhaps you're feeling battered by the world right now. It wouldn't surprise me. Romans one. What does it say? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. Is being revealed. There are signs of God's judgment all around us. And that's what makes the world such an uncomfortable place to live in. It is very terrible. You know, a world under judgment. I, I happen to look at the BBC's images of the week. I don't know if you ever see those on their, on the BBC website. These are the images that they chose. Just have a look. These are their their choice, not, not mine. Uh, a veteran crying as he remembers his colleagues who were lost in war. Uh, police detaining protesters violently in Tiananmen Square and imprisoning them. A nine year old escaping floods in Ecuador by taking shelter in a fridge. Tear gas at a demonstration in Kenya. Um, toxic smoke covering New York. That's the BBC selection of photos from the week. Creation is coming undone. Um, evil is unleashed. That's, that's the woes in, in the rest of chapter 9. We haven't got time to look at those in detail, but. It's a picture of evil just running riot across the world like an army of locusts or like 200 million mounted horsemen. And creation is coming undone, but people won't turn back to God. Can you see that? Um, Chapter 9, verse 20. Have a look down at that. Is this not heartbreaking? Chapter 9, verse 20. Read this. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality or their thefts. You know, suffering is meant to wake us up. It's like, it's, it's like, a, it's like a blazing siren that's going off, but, but often people won't listen. And just to convince you that this isn't something new, then uh, the writer Blaise Pascal, he was the guy who invented triangles or something, I can't remember quite what he did, but 350 years ago, this is what he wrote. Being unable to cure death, wretchedness and ignorance, people have decided in order to be happy, not to think about such things. It's true, no. They won't repent. Please, each time you switch on the news this week and you see creation coming undone, please repent, will you? Will you make sure that you repent? We can't single-handedly put right the mess that the world is saying. We're going to have to leave that up to God. Only God can do that. But what we need to do, verse 20, is to repent of the, of the work of our hands. Verse 20 and our false worship and the ways that we've gone wrong and come back to God. It's such a relief, isn't it? Um, Will you do that? Jesus says something similar in um, Luke 13. Do you remember that? It's that time when um, two terrible, an accident and a terrible atrocity are being committed and people said, you know, why did that happen? And Jesus says, unless you repent, you too will all perish, will you do that? It's such a broken world, Jesus warns us so clearly that when we see a world that's messed up and gone wrong, when we see disasters happen, we repent and turn back to God. Creation is coming undone. But secondly, the church speaks out God's word. The church speaks out God's word. That's our second point from these chapters of Revelation. And we're calling it um, the scroll and the two witness, and, and the two witnesses, the church speaks out God's word. And that's beginning at the start of chapter 10. And if you glance down at that, you'll see that a, a mighty angel, a massive angel, gives John a scroll. Let me read from, from verse 10. Uh, this is what it says. I, I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. It's an edible scroll an edible scroll, Ezekiel had one of those um, in Ezekiel chapter 3 you might remember, it. But, but then it just tasted sweet, it was a, a scroll that contained um, all of uh, uh, all of God's words but here it's different um, I've got an edible scroll here um, I made this earlier on uh, out of icing, I don't know if you want a bit of my, um, of my edible scroll, I'm going to try a little bit um, here we are not bad what you don't know is that I soaked it in bitter tonic water doesn't taste that good actually that's the picture here a sweet scroll oh yeah I'm getting it now a sweet scroll with a bitter aftertaste God's words are good but it's a bit like um, when you hear a, a sweet sermon, when you hear a sermon that, that really lifts your heart and, and feeds your soul, and, and then it leaves a bit of taste because you know what it's going to mean for you at work, or with your mum and dad, um, or with your romantic relationships. Do you know what that's like? You realize it's going to be painful to put it into practice, as it often is. And it's going to be difficult to share with other people. I remember um, coming home from camp when I'd just become a Christian. I was about 13 years old. And um, uh, uh, I'd been on the Isle of Wight and and I came across to Portsmouth and my dad picked me up in the car and then we had that long drive all the way along the south coast. And um, the gospel seemed so sweet to me. I'd just become a Christian. i I just discovered that Jesus was real, that God could genuinely forgive me. The Bible was true. Uh, that I could be set free from everything I'd ever done wrong. And it was the most exciting thing, the good news of God's grace. And I wanted to tell my dad, and I did tell my dad, all about it. And he rejected it so totally. He thought I was, he thought I was telling him um, that he was a sinner and that he'd lived his life the wrong way. Um, he thought I was criticizing him. And, and he was disappointed in me. And it left a bitter taste in my mouth. It's difficult. Keep speaking out God's words, even then, God is saying. Even then, keep speaking out God's words. Um, or it gets worse. So um, the two witnesses in chapter 11, verse 3, can you, can, can you see them down there? It's, it's hard to know exactly who they are. Um, they're described as like two olive trees or like two lampstands. Um, The two olive trees are are mentioned in Zechariah, and there they represent uh, the high priest and the king. Uh, But then you see in chapter 11, verse 6, that the one has the power to shut the sky, um, just like Elijah did, and then the other one has the power to turn water. um, Can you see that? Turn water... um, into blood, just like Moses did during the plagues. So, high priest and king, or um, Elijah and Moses. I think the writer means these two witnesses to represent um, everyone who's faithfully witnessed to him throughout history. Just like the high priest and, and the king did, like Elijah and Moses did. They, they, they talked about God in difficult times, they witnessed. But notice what happened to them, chapter 11, verse 7. Can you see what happens to them? So now, when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. More than a bit of taste, eh? Their bodies are laid out in the streets. Witnesses that have held out God's message are now dead bodies lying in the city on the floor, killed in the same location as Jesus. There's a symbol for you. Um, More than that, um, actually, chapter 11, verse 10 people will celebrate the death of a Christian by sending presents. Can you imagine that? Um, You get a parcel on your front doorstep Happy Dead Christian Day is the greeting. Um, Trinity, I have to tell you this. This is, this is so real for people around the world. It might not be real for us at the moment. This is so real for many of our brothers and sisters around the world. 2021, 4,761 people killed across the world. 2022, 5,898. Uh, I've got some friends in Uganda. One of them, uh, one of them is responsible for about 20 churches. Um, and he goes around twice a year and visits all the churches and he says that more than once he's come back and his house has been burnt to the ground. Uh, we did a conference five years running um, for uh, people who graduated from theological college, about 50 of them. And over the course of those five years, four died, I think. Keep on speaking God's words, even then. The book of Revelation is saying, even then. And hold on for the end. That, that's the third point, very, very briefly. The seventh trumpet. God's kingdom will come. Uh, that, that's the seventh trumpet that sounds. But un- unlike the seventh seal uh, that we heard about last week, when there's silence in heaven, there's a sort of pregnant pause, this time there is an incredible noise. And and everything is put right, everything, and there are loud voices in heaven. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. Uh, Back in chapter 1, verse 8, God is described as the one who is and who was and, and who is to come. But here in chapter 11, verse 17, he is just the one who is and who was because he's come that's the thing he's come That's what it says in verse 17 we give thanks to you Lord God almighty the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun to rain a great noise in heaven do you, do you, want, do you want to join in uh, keep going and one day you will day you will. But in the meantime, we have a job today. Trinity Church Islington. We have a job today. To witness to a dying world. The world is under God's judgment. We know that. The, the grounds curse, the wrath of God is being revealed. Present tense from heaven. Creation's coming undone. And it's this warning siren to repent. What do we do? We witness, we witness to our friends, to our colleagues, to our family here at church or or in a group or or as individuals. Three events coming up, the the coffee event, the jazz night and the treasure trail. Sign up for the Mark's Gospel and ask a friend if they want to read the Bible with you, what's the worst they can do? Say no, don't say no for them. Let them do that if they don't want to. Pray with your friends for three people you know to become Christians and pray persistently. The Lord loves persistent prayer. This is what Christians do. They witness to a dying world. That's why God has placed us here in Islington, to witness to this part of London. We're not expecting to be welcomed. Um, we're not always expecting to survive, actually. But speaking out God's words... Speaking out God's words at the pub, at the hairdressers, at the parents' evening—I don't know, where, where, wherever you find yourself—attacks will come. You know, we'll, we'll put on events, and I'm sure you've had this experience. You say, "Oh, um, a few of us, are, a few of us are going out to the pub." Um, uh, they're, they're my friends from church, and you suddenly see people switch off, don't you? I, I know what it's like. Attacks will come. Do not be unprepared, as the leaflet would say. Do not be unprepared, but hold out for that seventh trumpet and the incredible noise that we'll make on the last day. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for being kind enough to warn us that attacks are going to come. Uh, we know it's not always going to be easy. We've seen the disappointment in people's faces when they find out that we're a Christian and we're about to tell them about Jesus. But we have no option other than to witness to Jesus Christ. We, have, we want to have compassion, Father, on, on a dying world. Um, we know that Islington, London, is a very prosperous place, but we know that people are holding at arm's length and they're serving their idols And they're facing your judgment. And so I pray, Father, that we would hold out your word of truth. Please give us opportunities this week, Father, um, both to pray for and to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus. The the hope of sins forgiven, uh, the, the hope of relationship with you, the hope of a perfect future when we'll sing praise to you in a way that's unobstructed and unrestricted. We really long for that day, right? I probably wouldn't be there alone. I pray that there'd be those round about us who have seen our witness and, and repent. Uh, please, Father, motivate us for the months and the years ahead to witness to your great name. And we ask through Jesus. Amen.